for the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Tonight on the show, I am super excited to welcome back my ray of sunshine, Ray, who is so awesome and did such an amazing job with Nothing Underneath that we decided we were going to bring them back because they are so awesome. So without further ado, you can't see me, but I'm voguing my sexy (laughs) Barbie loving spirit animal, Ray. (laughs) What if you give me the best intros? <laughs> <laughs> Please follow Thanks. me around and introduce me everywhere in life. That Absolutely. Would be great. I know. I would make a really good hype woman. You really are. Yeah, you already are. That. Like, I'm really good at just walking around and just be like, you should meet this person. They're fabulous. <laughs> you are. You're great at it. Oh, my God. I love it. Okay. Today, we are going to be talking about a movie that literally divides the horror community down the middle. There are people who hate this movie because they believe that it doesn't live up to its box cover art. There are people who kind of appreciate, or I shouldn't say kind of, but like really truly appreciate the disjointed nature of the film, which I think is what turns a lot of people off about it, is that it's too weird or too surreal. Uh, But I'm going to tell you, I follow into the camp of, I love this movie. I show this movie to people. I really wish I would have bought the Blu-ray because I didn't. And uh, (gasps) I, I know I watched it on Tubi. So it's very like dimly lit, you know, and then I went online and I looked at the I looked at the stills from the Blu-ray and I was like, God damn it, because they're all just brightly lit up. Like you can see everything. By the Blu-ray? What? This is this is by the way the second time Ray and I are having this conversation because with nothing underneath, Ray watched the Blu-ray. this is just the i've seen aaron for not buying or watching the blu-ray i know (laughs) this is kind of ridiculous yeah this is like this should just be its own segment in the film in in the in the show anyway the film we are talking about is the much maligned 1983 classic in my opinion curtains the ultimate nightmare oh right exactly yeah (laughs) it's there's a lot there is a lot to unpack with this film. It is it borderlines on dreamlike, surreal, very there's some Twin Peaks elements to it. It's a very strange movie, but it, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there was a lot of people's hands in this film. A lot of cooks. A lot of cooks kitchen. in the kitchen. Okay, so. Ray, what is your background with this? Well, unlike Nothing Underneath, um, I ha- I've known this movie for about 10 years at this point. Um, it's not one that I, because I mean, I, I'm not an 80s kid, so I didn't see it like on cable or, or any of that. But um, I used to, in my teens, I would look up like, lists of 80s slasher films and i would like (laughs) you know check off which ones i was watching so this was at the time when it hadn't even come to dvd or blu-ray yet Um, yes and it was like right before 
Because I honestly think I'm a good omen because it seems like every time I watch something like a month later, it'll be announced it's coming to Blu-ray. So if you want a movie to come out on Blu-ray, tell me to watch it and it'll come out on Blu-ray. <laughs> All right, Ray. And I'm going to tell you right now that now you need to watch Out of the Dark because we're trying to push this to get a goddamn Blu-ray release. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I need to. I really I need to. Um. So... Uh, yeah, I had, I had watched it when it was like on YouTube in like some shoddy, muddy VHS rip and I loved it so much. Um, and then I want to say in like July of 2013, Synapse announced that they were releasing a Blu-ray and they posted a couple screen grabs of it and I didn't have Blu-ray yet, but that movie is the movie and then, and then Prom Night, because they announced them both at, like, the same time. And I, mm-hmm. I love those movies so much. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the movies that made me leap to Blu-ray. Nice. Hands down. Wow. Yeah. That is, yeah. that's a selling point for Blu-ray. That's yeah. amazing. It's like, well, this movie made me want to get a Blu-ray player. That's fantastic. It's, it's incredible. And you were, you were just saying, you show this movie to people. And I did the same thing. I have a friend that I... She's like my guinea pig. I make her watch everything. (laughs) When she was staying with me last, um, I made her watch. (laughs) I made her. (laughs) What is that? Oh my gosh. No, no, no. Where'd it go? Uh, Vice Academy. I made her watch Vice Academy. Yeah. I like to make her watch. (laughs) I mean, I love Vice Academy, but I will say this. I saw Vice Academy when I was like 11. Uh-huh. I mean, not the not the fucking uncut version because my parents aren't disgusting. But like, I saw that I saw that on USA Network, and right. so it has a so I have a soft spot for that film. I don't know what my friends would do if I showed them that movie. I think they would probably be like, "What is why?" I I know, but I love it so much. I had to. I love trolling her a little. You got to do that a little because I mean, my tastes are so like specific. I feel like. <laughs> And for someone with like a more modern palette, it's just so funny to watch them like, what the fuck are we watching? What is this? Why are they dressed like that? Yeah. Why is this woman the queen bee? You know? Right. Like, I know. Like? Oh, I know. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, wait, until, wait until I make you watch the sequels. Like, oh God. Yes. <laughs> Julia Parton with her green hair. Right. Malathion. Malathion. Fabulous. Uh, yes, anyway. well, if you're just joining us, welcome back to the Vice Academy uh, podcast. I know. I'm so sorry. Anyway. No, you know I love it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that movie came out on Blu-ray. And, like, I had even tracked before this, I had even found, like, one of those crappy, like, uh, w- like Alliance Atlantis uh, DVD sets of, like, random movies and like curtains was on with all these other yes. like random movies that had nothing to do with the right. 80s like 20 or... like 20 movies you've never seen and never will and then curtains is somehow shoehorn in there yeah, yeah. it was like a weird cover art and again a crappy vhs rip mm-hmm. so i was yeah. very dedicated to that movie pretty quickly I, it's very endearing mm-hmm. yeah yes absolutely i think my earliest memory of this film, I didn't see this as a kid at all, or, or even as a teenager. I rented this from, we had a local video store that was just literal, just B-movies, horror films, and lots of exploitation. And um, and I think they even mixed in the porn, like just in oh. like they didn't even care. Like they're like, oh. there was no, there's no beaded curtain in the back. It was just like, no, no, there's, you know. Marquis de Sade is right next to Mallrats. So it was called Unique Video. 
and it was in this like really bad area of town so i always had to get an adult to take me with to to take me because i wasn't my I wasn't really allowed to go over there at night and um and it only opened it opened at like 4 p.m. you know so it was so it, it really was, was unique right. video <laughs> it was unique video so i remember renting it because i saw the cover and was like what is what is this you know and just i knew nothing about it at all and i remember renting it and being just like it was it was very endearing but my my uh my thing that took me away from really enjoying it was the fact that this was an old VHS copy and you couldn't tell what was going on in this film because it was very dimly lit. I had the same problem with prom night growing up where every copy of prom night that came out was just, you know, turn the lights on for God's sakes. I can't see Vicky get killed. You know, it's very upsetting. So uh, later on I went and bought uh, a DVD of it and it was a little bit better. Um, but it was enough that I really, I just dug it. I really just dug the movie. I thought it was, it it was strange and it had a, it, it had a cool ending, which I loved. Um, and then as I got older, I started embracing it as someone who is aging and what aging is like, especially if you want to pursue a career in performing arts, you know, like, when I go to look at auditions, you know, it literally says female 18 to 35, 18 to 35, 18 to 35. And it just goes all the way down, you know? And so it's, I get it. Like I, that movie, this movie now hits on a totally different level uh, where it's just, it's about, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sexually viable anymore at this age. Right. Like I feel this way. And now I'm coming into this business um, as these women, as these women, some of these women are new to the business. And then some of these women have been in the business and they're being told, you know, you have to be X, Y, Z for this role, right? You're going to fight each other for this role. And you're going to probably sleep with this really creepy, sleazy (sighs) dude for this role. And yeah, I mean, it hits differently. It totally hits differently. So um, let's see. Okay. The plot of curtains, by the way, because <laughs> I'm sure people are wondering at this point, is six starlets, no, six actresses uh, have been chosen by a creepy director uh, to come to his house and audition for this role of a mentally unstable woman named Audra. And we're kind of supposed to know as we're watching this film that Audra is like a very famous play that they have gotten the rights to. And, and that's not real. That's something they made up for the movie. Yeah. (laughs) So so there's a lot of like, you know, like I don't know if maybe they, they couldn't get the rights to Camille or whatever, you know, all the, you know, anti mame, like they were like, no, no, Audra, this is, you know, so it's kind of has this like built in backstory that nobody knows. Um, But what we're led to believe is that Audra was a very mentally unstable female character and a very coveted role. And when we, begin the movie 
we find out that a woman, uh, an, an aging actress played by Samantha Egger, uh, has purchased the rights to this particular uh, story and given it to this director because she thought she was going to be cast as Audra. And take it, Ray. Well, <laughs> and the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, no, she no, she totally thought she was going to get this part. She thought she had it in the bag. She even like put herself in an asylum, like undercover, trying to like get information, you know. And she thought this would put her over the top, and it did in terms of mental stability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and basically, uh, Jonathan Stryker, John Vernon's character the director leaves her in the, in the asylum and, and kind of moves on with the project. And he invites these other actresses to his estate and for, for nefarious reasons, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. For very Uh, nefarious reasons. John Vernon, I would love to see John Vernon play a role that isn't just a complete and total douche nozzle because Yeah. He, okay, so like we have Animal House, he's Dean Warmer, Dick. Um, we have this movie, we have Chained Heat, where he is a warden at a women's prison who has a jacuzzi in his office. Yeah. <laughs> like, he he sucks in Savage Streets, too. Oh, right. And Savage Streets, yes, exactly. So it, so a hundred percent. I mean, we're he just plays dicky roles. But according to Lynn Griffin, he is actually well, I don't know if we is is he or he is, is John no Vernon still with us? us? No, he's I don't gone. Think he is. Okay, no. so rest in peace, John Vernon. But according to Lynn Griffin, he is he was one of the nicest people that she worked with, and was a complete gentleman, and is just really good at playing assholes. Some people just are. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what Michael Ironside is like because he's great at doing that too. He's mm-hmm. kind of the same canadian equivalent you know yes he's very good at bad guy roles so bad guy roles yeah exactly so so this movie opens with this fabulous plot device of the director checking samantha egger who's plays samantha by the way uh into samantha sherwood samantha sherwood uh (laughs) into this what is the nicest looking mental institution i've ever seen on the outside on the the outside outside. yeah in the inside not so much but on the outside it's like it it literally looks like this it's gorgeous gorgeous. right and he uh and so they have this little plot it's like she's gonna act like a total wackadoo and then they're gonna commit her uh for you know exhaustion and uh and then she's gonna she's gonna stay in there and then while she's there she's gonna research the role of uh being a crazy person and uh and then that that was the plan but striker has other ideas uh which is that he wants to get his dick wet like that's his whole thing is he just wants (sighs) to like he wants to invite six actresses to his estate to basically fight it out for this role um, while Samantha rots in an asylum. Yeah. Is it's, the- it's pretty shit. I wonder, you know what? I, I wonder if that was his intention all along. It seems like 
I mean, like if we if we if we come from a place of, you know, people are inherently good, you know, um, then it could just be like an opportunity type thing, like where he was mm-hmm. like, well, you know, I mean, because uh... at first he seems reluctant to let her do it. Right. Because it's right. really her idea. Like it's her she's idea. the one that she's like, I've got to do this. Like, I've got to understand this role. Right. And she's like, you, she even says you as my director should be applauding me for being mm-hmm. so dedicated and you know he's kind of he just kind of goes along with it and he visits her every once in a while we don't really know how much time no we don't there yes that's the other thing about this movie time is not linear by the way <laughs> like we don't no. i mean this could be this could be 6 days it could be 6 months it could be 6 years we really don't know how long she's in there but we do know that while she's in there you know she kind of has to give up her her beauty to be there in a lot of ways like she doesn't have makeup because anyone who's ever been institutionalized uh knows that you're not allowed to have stuff like that i mean you i, I remember just being in the mental hospital like you would have to have people smuggle in pantene because you couldn't have that you know like oh just gosh. weird shit i know right yeah um so so when he sees her that last time and he looks at her you know, and she looks pretty haggard and he's kind of like, you know, he's like, you look great, you know, and she's like, you know, you're, you're a, stick to directing. You're a better, you're a better director than you are an actor, you mm-hmm. know, because I think at that point she's acknowledging like, yeah, like this is, this is ugly. Like this is going to be an ugly role, you know, like I have to play it like this. And I think that for him, he wants someone who's just like hot and crazy to play this role you know yeah and so he uh assembles assembles this group of women and we get to meet them kind of individually in a variety of different some would say very uncomfortable ways (laughs) yeah well Uh, it's you know i just have to say this right now i feel really bad for ann ditchburn oh wait okay wait wait wait. okay yes now very important to talk about the cat this the women somewhat are kind of interchangeable in their looks like uh with the exception of patty most um, of them are all brunettes except brunettes yeah they're they're it's just like brunette skinny brunette skinny brunette skinny brunette skinny there's Um, one blonde and then the blonde who we'll get to that scene in a second um (laughs) who doesn't who doesn't quite make it to the to the set uh, and then we have our redhead in Patty, so played by Lynn Griffin. So we've got we've got kind of this, but but the the brunettes are very hard to tell apart, you know, because I was kind of at one point was like, okay, one's a dancer, one's an ice skater, and then one, I'm not really sure what she is. Is she, she a model? She, no, she's a she's a musician. I think she. Play, oh, does she play piano or that's she's right loudest or something she's something. loudest yes she's a right okay all right see in that that's another thing with this movie is that there are a lot of characters that kind of get introduced well and- they get introduced but most of them get introduced by their last names and i don't feel like you really Mm-mm. know some of their first names nope nope exactly so like we know that lynn griffin is patty and yes. Patty has a really cool intro where she's doing stand-up comedy at the Yuck Yucks in Toronto. Uh, and which <laughs> is funny because it's, it's, it's like their most famous comedy club in Canada. And 
she's doing she's doing stand up there and she and during her stand up she tells him you know you know she's like i am on my way to audition for this this movie you know for the weekend or whatever and we know that patty is the funny one patty is the sarcastic funny self-deprecating um kind of kind of goofy uh but totally somebody who i would be friends with like i relate most to her character oh god yeah Oh, I lo- absolutely love Pat. You know, and then we're introduced to um in a lot of ways. I know. <laughs> no, yeah, I know, right? I know. <laughs> Spoiler alert, guys. Um, so so then we meet the blonde. I swear to God, I do not know her name. Her name is Amanda. Oh, really? Okay, I never, never would have gotten that. Never would have gotten that. Okay. So Amanda's intro is a little different um amanda is introduced by she's you know she's 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 relaxing with mr bubble um which was a which was a form of bubble bath that came out back in the 80s it was very i popular. love it it's like totally product placement That's oh all yeah over it's her like bathtub. mr bubble you know it moves spots on her bathtub i noticed when oh I yeah watched it. oh yeah it's like here you know it's in the it's frame now super 80s right so she's taking a bath, Mr. Bubbles. She's sipping her wine and uh, she picks up her script and she puts her jammies on. She's got she's... a great duvet, by the way. Oh, God. It's great. So she's, I love her apartment, by the way. I do too. Her black tiles in her bathroom. Yes. Oh. Yes. Totally love anyway. her apartment. So <laughs> she's relaxing with her script. And then we see kind of like a sort of a great value Tom Selleck character uh who's wearing a who's wearing pantyhose over his face uh breaks into her apartment rapes her and then she pulls his mask off and it turns out this is just a thing that her and her boyfriend do yeah it's pretty jarring <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty jarring so so she you know so so she's like well you know, uh, we could, we could, we gotta, we gotta change it up a bit because apparently the, the the rape thing's just not doing it for me anymore. And he's like, we could go back to the pizza boy, and she's like, the pepperoni always sticks to my ass. Oh my god, I have that written in my notes. How she—that's one of my favorite lines. Uh-huh. I say that all the time. She says it just like sticks to my ass. That's exactly <laughs> the way she says it, folks. Okay, so uh, so that he's like, well, what about what about tomorrow night? And she's like, well, what about Sunday night? And he's like, you got plans tomorrow night? And she's like, I'm going to audition for Stryker's movie at his house. And he mentions, this is what's funny, is the boyfriend is like the unlikely voice of reason in this situation. Her her boyfriend's like, that doesn't seem kosher for a guy to invite six women to his house for the weekend to audition. Like, that just doesn't seem right, you know? And she's like, you know, I want the role. Like, she's just, that's her... that is, yeah that's her explanation i just want the part so uh so they have sex again uh at some point off camera and oh and then we're introduced to uh the seventh character of this movie the fucking doll yes oh my god okay so in her bedroom and people who have seen the box cover art for this film know what i'm talking about there is a doll that is very almost grotesquely uh 
the the way that the features on the doll are it, it's almost exaggerated and um it's just just sitting on her floor and we're talking about we're not talking about like a madame alexander like tiny doll talking about a doll that could that pretty much goes up to most of our waists i would say yeah yeah she she's definitely yeah. larger than 18 inches even yeah so so she ends up having a nightmare that uh she's driving and um and that she sees the doll at the middle of the road and she goes to like touch the doll and the doll grabs her hand and then someone gets in her car and runs her over and she wakes up and she's like ah and i'm like well i if i had that fucking thing in my room i'd have the same dream <laughs> i read somewhere that that was a real doll okay that's a great question. I was going to ask you is like, do you know anything about this doll? See, I was going to brush up on it when I was researching a little, but um, it was very late. So I, I swear I read some comments before that there were people that actually had this doll and this was a real product. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true. Okay. Okay. I, I swear I saw pictures of it online though. So I, I mean, and I, I want to say I even saw like a blonde one. Yeah, that's the thing is, it kind of looks like a grotesque version of an American girl doll. Yeah, well, she's, like, crying. Yeah. She just has a really sad expression. She has a very sad expression, and her mouth is kind of open in it's some like way. It's very open strange. And like, like, it's, she's super pouty. Mm-hmm. It's a very strange, strange thing. So she... I don't she, know how she fits in the plot. It's very... No. And <laughs> according to... Um, according to what I've heard about the commentary, like people who made this movie, i.e. the director, the producer, the special effects guy, the, all these people right. are really not that keen on it. You know, they don't understand the following for this movie. They they don't even understand why people want to watch it or why it was released on Blu-ray, which boggles my mind. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, I, I unfortunately didn't find out anything about the doll. I mean, uh, the but, doll disappears halfway through the movie. Yes, it does. It it makes a couple of appearances and then it's just gone. Um, so, so, uh, so, so the, so, so, so the one half of the rape couple, um, <clears throat> she, she wakes up and she's like, oh my God, you know, it's a horrible dream. And then uh, she gets up because she thinks she hears her boyfriend, you know, wandering around playing games again. Um, and uh, she ends up getting she ends up getting confronted by a figure dressed all in black, except for a hag mask with long blonde hair, which kind of looks like a really creepier version of Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> like like she's there she wants you to steam clean your vagina oh my god she she is (laughs) she's out for blood she's out for blood so so this person with this hag mask comes at her and and then starts like stabbing her and making this very uncomfortable noise there we go. <laughs> Making this really uncomfortable noise when when they stab, which is just like Rawr. it's like, like a grunting, it's very it, primal, right? It is it's like, like it's and just keeps doing it. So so we've already so we've lost her. She's gone. 
she's dead you know but then when the killer leaves uh they take the doll they're like oh i'm going to take this with me right <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is creepy it, it's on it's on par with what i'm doing i'm gonna take the doll with me <laughs> right right yeah so <clears throat> next we are oh so samantha has to get out of the asylum somebody has sprung her and that is her mysterious monotone friend I that's don't, right who was, who was it supposed to be <laughs> i thought it was like a lesbian lover situation and i was gonna get because they were you know one of them's kind of reclining on like a a brass bed and the other oh, one's she's like yeah and sitting like by the fire yeah they're and it's just like you she's know just like <laughs> Why did you, you know, it's just like, it's like, well, I got you out of there for a reason, you know? Yeah. Well, what I, reason? What right? are What are you going to do now? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then she's, she's like, I am going to bust in on that audition. So she's burning their eight by tens. Mm-hmm. Yes. In the fireplace. Burning the eight by tens in the fireplace. So we already got, we've got red herring number one. Which is Samantha Sherwood is going Samantha to Sherwood. is gonna kill <laughs> for this role, right? Uh, meanwhile, at the house, uh, the girls get introduced to one another. We meet uh, Leslie Donaldson's character, Christy Burns. Okay, she is an ice skater. Christy is an ice skater. And fun fact. Uh, Leslie Donaldson actually learned how to ice skate to do the movie, but then hurt herself on the first day of filming. So they had to actually use a double uh, for the ice skating moves. Which is yeah, like, yeah, you can totally see the the mark on her chin from when she fell too. Poor thing. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. So we meet her. We meet uh, a very felt uh, brunette uh, who is a dancer Mm -hmm. and her name is um i think her name is laurel laurel okay (laughs) l'oreal something like that something like that and then uh, Anne ditchburn who is barely in the movie right i know she's just there and that's it and then oh wait i almost forgot about the most one of the wildest scenes so an even older actress (laughs) Played by Linda Thorson. Poor Linda Thorson. Oh, my God. Um, She, I just felt bad for her because I was like, man, like, could they make her look any less attractive in this movie? Like, yeah, her hair. Oh, her hair. It was so scary. Um, She, uh, so she's, she's basically like on the verge of a nervous breakdown in her apartment. And her, her manager or agent, uh Monty. 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 Monty calls and is like, you know, did you read the trades? And she's like, what? <laughs> and she's li- she's literally sitting there with a variety, by the way. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, makes I, a you lot know of I appearances. Read that. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't read the trades. What are you talking about? And he's like, Jonathan Stryker said he could only put one person in the role. It would be you, silly pants. <laughs> and right and she's like what and he's like so go on that audition bye and then that's it that's all we see that, he's the one that says samantha sherwood samantha sherwood yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's Love kind him. of like if they if um if they were looking at like um like uh the b-52s like fred schneider <laughs> like they were like 
And they're like, okay, do we want voice. you. Right. We want, we want you to do that, <laughs> but we need you to take it to 12. Yeah. I, and, ugh, yeah. as if you could go any higher, but yes. I yeah. Love Monty, it. Monty took it to 12. So he's memorable. He is a memorable <laughs> character. Uh, so memorable, uh, by the way, that if you go on Tubi and you're going to watch this movie, the still that they use for this movie is Monty. And it's so funny because you're oh. like, who is that? And then you watch the movie and you're like, oh, her manager? Really? He's literally in one scene. One scene. That's it. <laughs> one but, scene, by the way. Yeah. So this poor woman has decided she's going to go on this audition. So we've got her, the ice skater, the dancer, the flautist musician. musician. She's a musician. Something like yes. that. And, they're, and, and of course, Patty, our stand-up comic, and they're all sitting around the table and joking around and talking about what they would do for this role, right? And like, you know, they're like, I would I would do this or I would dance or I would blow him, you know. Yes. And then <laughs> and then uh and then Stryker makes his appearance and and says, That won't be necessary. And But uh, I'll keep it in mind. But I'll keep it in mind. It's like ah, I know. <laughs> like pig. Oh, John Vernon. And then we meet, what's really funny is we meet the the houseboy uh, played by Michael Wincott. Matthew. And, and Matthew, right? And Michael Wincott, most people would know as the main bad guy from The Crow. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of what that dude's name is, but uh, and, and he showed up on an episode of Miami Vice last night and I was like, dude, that's Michael Wincott, you know. Um, <laughs> he just shows up on all of these things, but Michael Wincott's job is basically to sit awkwardly at the dining room table and then go to the hot tub with one of the girls while wearing a stringed pink tank top now not the woman michael (laughs) wincott is wearing the stringed pink tank top and i was like and a speedo and a speedo that is an interesting choice for yes. fashion at the time. A- and I just kind of was like, I don't. Under- okay. That I mean, maybe Michael <laughs> Wincott was like, I don't want to show my chest. I will wear this he, body glove outfit. He did outfit. take it off, I think. Eventually, she, does she, eventually she removes it while he's in the jacuzzi. Like, she kind of, I, like, rips it I off of him. so. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that happens. Hey. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh and then and then in a in a very uncomfortable scene, Patty proceeds to smoke a joint and then uh basically partake in an X-rated puppet show <laughs> with sock puppets. Um yes, which is so uncomfortable. And like Leslie e- Donaldson is watching and in horror. Like <laughs> like what? what the hell? <laughs> Why are you doing this and it's like yeah this is what this this is okay so this movie has a lot of little i should say character touches yes definitely definitely the characters while some of them don't get very many lines or moments like again pouring on ditchburn she literally Mm -hmm. gets three lines in the whole movie Mm -hmm. i mean that's it it's totally a waste of of her talent but um but they give Patty a lot of fun character beats, I will Ugh. say. 
And for I, good reason. And for she good reason. integral to the plot, but... She is. She's fantastic. Like, she's, she's naturally witty, and she knows where her strengths lie, you know? Um, and I just... She's just a great... She's just a fun time, man. And she brought the weed, you know? She's sitting there <laughs> right. smoking the weed, and she's, right. like, here, and... The ice skater's like, no, no, it's bad for your wind. I, It's bad for practice. Like, I have to get up at the ass crack of dawn to go practice skating in a frozen pond somewhere. Yeah. So, lucky that was there, I guess. Lucky that was there. I was just going to say that. I'm like, maybe it's just a Canada thing? Because this was shot This was shot in Canada. Right. Maybe that is a thing. It's like, I can find a frozen pond anywhere. You know? <laughs> like, maybe. coming to Florida, it'd be like, oh, is there a beach? <laughs> I guess there's a lot of them for any of you Canadians listening is this a thing I mean right. yes exactly <laughs> please let us know are there frozen ponds everywhere everywhere in every residence just everywhere it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it's summer <laughs> frozen oh ponds. my gosh um <laughs> so uh as Leslie Donaldson is making her rounds or Christy in the film um, because she she goes in that room and sees Patty and um, Brooke, played by Linda Thorson, and she talks to them for a moment. So then um, she kind of stumbles down the hallway mm-hmm. and hears some voices in a room. And it's Jonathan Stryker and Samantha Sherwood. And they're arguing about, you know, why are these actresses here? Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, this was my role. I'm the one that got you the rights to this why are you doing this to me so then she she's like <laughs> leaning into the door like really close and she almost he opens the door like suddenly and she like falls in almost and and she's like oh, you know i'm sorry i heard a noise like she's like trying to play like you know i, I wasn't eavesdropping and um you know they're like oh we were we were just you know, rehearsing a bad play that we right, right, on the and exactly. <laughs> and what's but what's interesting about that is that it's easy to buy that they're rehearsing a bad play because there is quite a bit of scenery chewing going on in that scene. Oh, definitely. Oh my god, definitely. where they are like they are escalating their voices as they are talking is just like you know, just, oh god, you know, yeah. Well, and- you, you <laughs> I gave you the rights to Audra. Yes, yeah. And and Leslie Donaldson's character is is the youngest of all of the ingenues at the right. Residence. She's she's referred to as just a baby by the Linda Thorson character. Yes, yeah, she's she's very young, and I think Leslie Donaldson was still like a teenager when she did this movie. I am okay. pretty sure she was like seventeen or something. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. So she was she was a baby. Um, and she was really young when she did all of. The, I mean, Leslie Donaldson to me is like the canadian horror queen or at least one of them right. there are a lot there are a lot of them but he she's was in, in so many happy birthday to me she's the first kill in happy birthday to me and she's yeah. got to be young in that too that was 81 yeah. yeah um she was in that she was in funeral home which i love and she's a lead in that one so okay. we get a lot of leslie and that one and then <laughs> from one leslie to another um and then she was in deadly eyes about the killer rats oh killer rats where they take the rats and where they take the dachshunds and then they dress them up as rats it's the yes. best 
I love that movie and she's great in that. So um, she, she's just got a great scream and a, she's just great at, in this film. She's great at screaming and crying. And those are two mm-hmm. things that you need. And she's, she pulls on your emotional heartstrings. I mean, this is one of those movies where I think the acting is, it just elevates what the material is. Yeah. Like what the, what the slasher standards are, you know? Um, anyway. So, so he kind of takes, Christy aside and they walk back to her room and all of the actresses are kind of like shown or at least a few of them they're kind of just like looking at the door looking when he leaves the room after a while passes and uh, they're just kind of looking like ugh and and then there's Leslie Donaldson laying in the bed with just the sheet over her like covered in sweat and tears and she just needs a silkwood shower at this point she is defeated and I mean, she was, oh, I, that scene oh, always breaks my heart. It is. It's a really heartbreaking scene because you can tell that, like, she really didn't want to sleep with him and she slept with him for maybe she thought she would get the part. Maybe she got coerced into it. Whatever it is, you know, it's uncomfortable. She was and, totally taken advantage of. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So then the next morning um, she goes to uh, she goes to practice uh, on a on a random pond that has been frozen yes <laughs> and she and, turns on her burton cummings <laughs> right she turns on she turns on her stereo and uh and save my soul comes on and skates around and skates around and then at one point the stereo stops working and okay so this is a question because i thought i saw that she goes to open the battery compartment and there are no batteries in it is that correct no okay yeah we're gonna have to cut this okay so (laughs) okay wait so does she open it and one of the batteries falls out and that's how she finds the doll yeah okay Mm. all right so she opens the battery compartment and one of the batteries falls off into the snow and she notices that there is a hand sticking up from the snow and she goes to uncover the hand and it's that damn doll again. <laughs> because that thing just keeps making an appearance. And I think the doll has changed clothes. Has the doll changed clothes? I don't think so. I think it's just wearing that pink Still wearing dress, that pink right? dress? Okay. Yeah. So she looks at the doll and she's kind of, you know, perplexed. And then all of a sudden, and this is a scene that has made it into scariest moments in horror countdowns for bravo and and shutter and different uh things uh, the killer is on ice skates so the killer really is multi-talented if you think about it so definitely the killer <laughs> is on ice skates wielding a giant scythe that the night before they have snuck into some sort of machine shop by the way which i guess is connected to striker's you know, sprawling, you know, uh, (laughs) mansion, estate. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Um, and, and was like sharpening it in the, in the machine shop. I mean, he's got a huge prop room. He has a huge property. There's tons of stuff. There's like a prop house, which we'll see later. There's a, a dance studio. There's all kinds of stuff going on in this house. So, so this killer is wielding this very sharp scythe and, and and ice skating in slow motion towards her and she's just like oh my god and she 
and she grabs the doll, which <laughs> my first instinct, I mean, granted, I've never been chased by an ice skating, scythe wielding serial killer in a Gwyneth Paltrow mask, but in broad my, daylight, too. in broad daylight, what's great about this is it does happen in broad daylight, but my first instinct would be to take the doll and then throw it at them. Yes. Right? Just to just to fuck yes. with them. Like, whoa my God, what is what is that doll? You know, and to throw it out. But she runs through the forest in the snow. You know, she's trying to get away. And uh, but she doesn't, and the killer gets her from behind and slices off her head. It's so sad. After, after her scene, she has no redemption. It's just so. No. It's so sad. No, yeah. it's like sexually coerced into into being with Stryker, and then she roll, and then she ice skates, and then she dies. It's yeah. Like, hmm. Yeah. That was awesome. Very um, sad. So then comes probably my favorite scene in the movie. It's it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. But there's a scene where Patty is kind of chilling out so she knows she has to have a quote session with striker right so she's making jokes and she's you know being you know being self-deprecating and all this and he just kind of like he just kind of like basically disregards her and and says you know none of this is necessary in fact this whole session is not necessary as if to say i don't know why you came here you're not going to get the part like this has been a waste of your time and Patty has this amazing monologue where she's like, why? Because I didn't pirouette on your face because I don't have a staple through my navel like that centerfold. You know, she's like, what are you looking for? Who the fuck is Audra anyway? You know, and he kind of, you know, and she's like, you know, what are you, you know, what are you looking at? You know, and and he's just like, I, I kind of see a little bit of Audra, you know, giving her this like little carrot of hope. You know, just kind of dangling it in front of her. And uh, he's like, you know, and then he just kind of walks away. And she's like, bastard. Yeah, it's a great scene. Oh, my God. Great scene from from Lynn, for sure. One of of my favorites. And then, uh, oh, and then because we have this great scene. So we're kind of on a high. We're like, yeah, women power. Woo. And then we have what could only be described as the most awkward acting exercise of all time. Um, let's see. So the women have assembled in a uh, in what looks like a dance studio. It's basically a, a dance studio. And he has oh Samantha Samantha's come in, you know, and she's like, "I want to act." And he's like, "Okay." And he dude, okay. So I don't know where the hag mask somehow found its way into into like he found it or whatever because the yeah. hack mask is now a thing like it's not just a tool that the killer uses it's like a thing that's actually in the in the house so he picks up the hag mask and throws it at samantha and says seduce me and she's like what <laughs> and he's like you can't you you can't use words. You can't touch me. She's like, seduce me with your eyes. And he's like, and she, and of course, no one, no one, no one short of, not even Cindy Crawford can fucking seduce someone in this haggard Gwyneth Paltrow mask. It's just, it can't happen. It can't the happen. The fact that you keep calling it that. 
So she's horrified. Like she's she's defeated. And all of the other women are like, what the fuck? Like, right. What we signed up for. Thank God this is not me. (laughs) And you think like, oh, it can't get any worse. Oh, it's going to get worse. The next scene we see are the two women are are the dancer and the we'll call her the ingenue, uh, the musician uh, standing facing one another while the one fondles the other one's breasts. Yeah. And it is so uncomfortable. And there's there's this slow music playing in the background. What's great about this is so the music is Paul Zaza did the music, right? And he did the music, which he did the music for prom night. And he also did the music for Porky's and Porky's 2. So that little piece of music makes an appearance during a very tender scene in Porky's 2. So I knew that I knew that little piece of music and was like, and they're using it during this very uncomfortable, you know, just, you know, touch her, touch her like a man. And it's like, oh, you know, Uh, you're just you're just waiting for striker to get killed like you're you're just yeah waiting for this scene to happen um any any thoughts on well i mean any any thoughts on where we're going from here (laughs) well it's so i just i'm putting the pieces together and it's funny that the last two movies we have looked at are female centric and have like themes like this because this really isn't the norm for the genre i would say to have themes of like female empowerment and aging like and and women being pitted against each other and and (laughs) okay that just happened (laughs) and women being pitted against each other and male gaze i mean yes yes it's Ugh, it's so interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't think about it until just now. Mm-hmm. Just and, I'm how... sh- and I'm sure when we do cheerleader camp, there's going to be a lot more of that. I was, I was thinking. Thinking about that. I... Yeah. Okay. We've, right. we've chosen these movies very specifically. I know. Why, why am I on all of these movies? <laughs> well, and I noticed a similar thread also with the killers as well. Yes. With all of these. Yes. Um, yes. Interesting. Oh, oh, my God. I just figured that out. Yeah. Because cheerleader camp. This yeah. Uh-huh. Nothing underneath. Oh my That's goodness. Weird. How did this happen? I know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Luck of the draw, I guess. Right? Uh. It's not, it not chosen <laughs> this way, that's for sure. No. Uh yeah, I, I think up to this point in the movie, um, you're really developing motives and you're getting a sense of like just how shitty this director is oh. and and just what he's doing to these women and you know you're unfortunately you don't learn much about some of the characters in this time and and that's what makes me wonder what would the other cut have been like what yes. what would what, what would it have been had mm-hmm. um is his name richard chupka chupka right okay had he been able to finish the film and not you know peter simpson coming in and, and reshooting and, and re-editing everything and, right yeah 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 it's very strange that 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 happened because peter simpson also came in and did the same thing to hello mary lou prom night too so right you know what i mean it's almost like we've got a 
commercialize this whole thing. We have to make it more viable. We have to make it more marketable. And yeah. Whereas I, I think part of the genius of curtains lies in its weirdness. I, I really feel like there's a lot of now, granted, I think that's also why people kind of like, oh, you know, like it just kind of falls apart in the middle. And it's like, it kind of does. You know, there's definitely more. Um, there's some there's some lull moments in the middle of this movie. Well, what's interesting is that, like, I guess um, Chipka didn't shoot the beginning of the film or the mm-hmm. end of the film. So he had nothing to do with that asylum stuff. And he had oh, nothing wow. to do with the, the end and the, the climax. Prop- yeah. Wow. So and I don't know if anything else in the middle was was his or not. Um, wow. So. You know, it makes me think because there are scenes that do feel not disjointed because I do think the the ultimate the setup and everything the opening is, is really well done. I mm-hmm. just, I think so. Agreed. Um, it, the the film doesn't always match perfectly, but it it tries to make sense. I mean, this was literally shot over the course of like three years. Yeah. So exactly, it was like shot, and then they had to come back for reshoots, and they had to do all kinds of stuff. So. Yeah, for a film that does have that sordid history, <laughs> right? That axe work with it, um, it actually came out fine. You know, I mean, and, I mean, it still makes sense. There are things that obviously, like why they brought the Michael Wincott character in there and then just took him away. They kind of like come and go, right? Super like the confusing, doll. right? But yeah. but then maybe Hollywood is super confusing. <laughs> that's the ultimate meaning right? of the film <laughs> maybe the ultimate meaning of the film is that people disappear from your life all the time <laughs> and they get three lines like poor Anne Ditchburn I'll never get over that you know? so sad it's just it so really sad is. it She's really great. is now so that's a great question because you brought her up a few times what other stuff have you seen have you seen her in other stuff too like what what you know, do you know anything about her background wise that the, the inter- okay so she was a her wikipedia is like full of information i mean Ooh, i'm telling you nice. so she um it was an actual dancer like she you know was a ballet dancer in real life and and had done a few things and somehow landed in films she was in the film slow dancing in the big city which was directed by the guy that did rocky okay oh okay so and it was his film right after rocky so it Mm -hmm. was like high expectations for him i have never seen the film because and i just found this out last night when i looked it up um the film had never received a vhs release a dvd release a blu-ray release so i don't people have been just seeing it on cable or or something for Mm -hmm. years i don't know um but so it was um she was actually nominated for a um academy award for best newcomer she didn't win um and the the film stars um what paul sorvino Mm -hmm. okay uh, and one of the music pieces in the film is actually used during the, like, in memoriam at the Oscars. Oh, And that comes okay. from that movie. So it recently got a Blu-ray release, though, from Kino Lorber. Oh, so Kino. I, I need Kino to see that. does it. You know? If I've, yeah. yeah. I've really wanted to see this movie for a long time. Just to see something else this woman has been in. Because I know, I mean, she was nominated for an Academy Award. I mean, right. that's something to her to turn around and be in this movie and, and literally have three lines. Three she's, lines. 
she's in the limo and the and when she when her character's introduced and she's just saying like i loved the book as a child like she's very soft-spoken and like innocent Mm -hmm. and you don't really get much of anything with her character and that's what i also find interesting about um the character played by i think her name is sandy curry who she is the musician musician character she was also in the film terror train ah um, and she she played matchy she played (laughs) (laughs) she played jamie lee's friend in that film and um and i love her in that film too she's just got a great smile a great look she's gorgeous and absolutely she's un- gorgeous unfortunately yeah. she is not with us anymore um no yeah she's i think she passed away in like the 96 like oh sometime God. in the 90s yeah she's been wow. i don't know why or or how but oh. um so yeah uh but she doesn't really have a lot going on in this movie but spoiler alert she gets a really great chase scene near the oh. end <laughs> fabulous she's she's we think she's gonna be kind of our final girl in a lot of ways and and yeah she well you know that that happened yeah we'll get there right yeah we'll get there so um so 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 brooke sorry so brooke's character decides that she's gonna go take a nap in the middle of the day i'm not really sure because she's wearing like a she's wearing kind of like a two-piece negligee lingerie lingerie (laughs) high heels and she decides that she's going to go paint her nails because her nails are all ratchet. So she's like, okay, I got to paint my nails. And she lifts the toilet seat up for whatever reason. And uh, Leslie Donaldson's head is in the toilet, is in the toilet. So she freaks out and she runs and she goes to tell Stryker. And then Stryker comes and like checks the bathroom and there's no one, no one's head is in the bat is in the toilet totally gaslights her totally gaslights her and then he's like you know he's like i'll come you know i'll hold you while you cry or whatever so she (laughs) so so i'm not really sure what happens with that like i'll make it all better with my penis right right yeah exactly (laughs) like consider my penis my penis can help you yeah yeah so i think oh for sure they sleep together so and then she just feels even worse you know because now she's got ratchet ass nails there's a fucking severed head somewhere and she just had sex with striker so it's a bad day for linda thorson yes terrible (laughs) terrible day so she so so she's in that picture okay you're gonna have to help me with this because it gets a little murky and by murky i mean the actual photography of the film gets murky okay so what happens next is this when samantha comes in and okay right so so we see a, somebody walking into the room and this is when striker and brooke linda thorson's character are like getting up and she's like you know i think i'll be okay or something and they're just kind of talking and he's about to leave the room and um anyway samantha walks in and she's got her gun and at the beginning of the film there's this scene where she's auditioning for audra and she's doing a monologue right and she she has a gun gun. yeah she has the gun and she shoots it and he's like she wouldn't do that she wouldn't shoot and she's like oh you don't think so huh so it kind of comes full circle for her because then she shoots them both and they fly out the window that's right behind them. And it kind of 
Okay, so do they land on a snowmobile? No. Okay, this is where the reshooting shit comes in. <laughs> okay. So, so thank God for you. A, there was originally a scene where Matthew gets killed, I guess, on his snowboard, or he is killed and put on his snowboard. I'm not really sure. Right. But um, so he comes crashing in through the window on his snowboard, scares um Tara, the the ingenue. And and she runs around the house looking for everyone, and that's when she runs out the house. Anyway, they they since they reorganized the film, they kind of were like, well, this doesn't work with th- how this is, so let's just make it so the editing looks like they fall through the window. So basically, Linda Thorson falls in the snow, and Jonathan Stryker appears to fall through the window and then they actually must have shot a guy laying there on the couch coming through the window so they sort of try to make it work it doesn't really work because you do kind of see a snowboard coming through the window especially in hd on the blu-ray couldn't do much about that so um and you know what the unfortunate thing is i don't Mm. know if you know this but they went but at the time that they had gone to get these elements for the blu-ray and dvd release of this uh they actually had seen that i think a mere like five or six years earlier is when they had actually destroyed the Uh, other footage uh, so it had been around for like 30 years at that point and oh man and that was yeah it was destroyed to make room because i guess they couldn't there were like maybe two or three like videotapes of footage of wow. like completely unused footage. Oh, yeah. God, that that just makes me mad. Yeah. I, I hope that somebody like I wonder if it was destroyed or if somebody just secretly kept it. Because you mm-hmm. know that happens. Oh no, of course. I mean, remember, we thought that my bloody Valentine was never gonna get pieced together. Oh gosh, and then right. that got pieced together. Friday the 13th part two got pieced together. Lots of things that we think are lost um might eventually get, you know, discovered or found. Somebody might have some if somebody somewhere. cares enough to yeah. to do this, you know, which is part of the reason why I love having, you know, you and Violet on the show is because your attention to detail and your caring for media has brought back this resurgence of music and musicians and pop stars and things that we, this generation, this next generation coming up is going to be able to enjoy because of the work that the two of you have put in. Oh my God. Are you plugging my work right now? I am. I'm plugging your work. Of course I am. I I'm always in awe of the two of you because it's amazing. That's a big fucking deal for someone of y'all's generation to have come and done that and had put that care into people and songs and albums and things that have been forgotten, have been, you know, just pushed to the side and, you know, and kind of brought this like resurgence and this new breathed new life into these things it's like that's that's a license to print money as far as i'm concerned so it's incredible it's an incredible thing to to be a part of because because i never thought that i could have any kind of power in that you know like i thought it would have to be a company it would have to be somebody that that had experience in some way 
with this. Um, so yeah, it's really incredible. Some of the things that that can be done just because you care enough to do it really. Exactly. So hopefully somebody cares enough to find this footage and put it together and make us a, make us a new curtains, you know, make us make us, and we'll just call it a new set of curtains. A new set of curtains. <laughs> I just pulled I that. that out of my ass. Okay. I love that. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> so we have this sort of weird convoluted type ending. Um, the ingenue has escaped to the prop to part to the, to the prop room or prop house. I just prop say. house. It is a huge, huge room. Huge, huge. And she's running around and, you know, great value. Gwyneth Paltrow is chasing her and they're fighting and you think she might get away. And then probably one of the most disheartening things is she's, you know, it looks like she's found a way out and it's actually just a brick wall. Yeah. It's just a bricked up wall. And, and Cause it's window. full of like hijinks in there. I mean, there's like a car that's a pro everything's there's, a pro there's a car. There's a debt there. There are, there there's are like a dead, motorcycle. There's a motorcycle. There are, dummies but there are also actual dead bodies of the women that have been killed so it's like yes. there's it's just hard to figure out it's like where to where to go you know yeah and um, ditchburn's body isn't it because she's kind of she's killed very quickly like very quickly off screen and uh, and and exactly she's like, like doing a dance routine and she then does she a finds dance her routine body and then she gets stabbed yeah. to death and that's it yeah, yeah exactly so sure so her body's hanging in there you know everyone's you know, running around or whatever and then uh the killer, you know, gets gets her. And then we come to the climax of the film, which is in the kitchen, in Stryker's kitchen, Patty is opening up a bottle of bubbly and Samantha comes in and reveals that she has killed Stryker. And... It seems to be like, oh, well, yeah, she killed Stryker, but she's not admitting to anything else. And then we find out that Patty is the one who has been killing everybody because she wanted the role. And in the very beginning of the movie, when we are introduced to Patty doing her stand up, she says her very first line. Have you ever wanted something so bad you would do anything to get it. And it's such a fantastic like callback to that. Yeah. Where you see that. Well, she even says in her routine, you know, like it's it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a bloodbath. Exactly. You know, is that my knife in your back? I That's mean, right. she she literally tells the audience what she's going to do. She's like, I'm totally going to kill these bitches. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean. Oh, my gosh. I was like, wow, she totally confessed. Like, mm -hmm. It's like we knew you were crazy, you know. Yeah. So, so, so Samantha finally realizes that she's the one killing everybody. Um, even though Samantha did in fact kill Stryker, and she and she's celebrating it. She's like, you know, there's another bottle of champagne in the fridge. I killed Stryker. Call the cops. I'll wait. I'm not going anywhere. I'm yeah. not going anywhere. You know. And um, so Patty, Patty confronts her and then stabs her, and she's dead. And then the next scene we see which is also a favorite is uh patty performing for the mental asylum basically yes. a bunch of people kind of like half you know half lobotomized you know <laughs> uh half half on thorazine just just like in a in a bunch of folding chairs you know while she's trying to like perform her quote 
one woman show um of audra and there's a sign of audra and there's a sign yeah. and there's a sign with like it's just scrawled with like it looks like it was scrawled with like red lipstick or something it's yeah. very uncomfortable and she's not even saying her lines she's just Mm-mm. like like she's in her head thinking them yeah right. she's like looking around crazy like <laughs> wide-eyed and i had theories about this ending because i asked i i asked lynn griffin who plays patty i said you know my theory was that this entire thing was actually in her head while she was in the mental asylum and um i said but i think that what actually happened was that the mental asylum takes place after she is arrested for killing everyone right and then she's doing her one woman show and she's like oh well i really like your theory you know um which once again lynn griffin one of the nicest interviews i've ever done and gracious full of information you know, what a wonderful interview. Definitely check that out. If you're listening to this Curtains uh, review, go check out the Lynn Griffin uh, interview because it's just, it's full of, chock full of information. And she said that everyone got along on Curtains. All of the backstage craziness, you know, money problems, reshoots, all of that stuff was did not involve the actual cast. Like she said, the cast got along just fine. Yeah, that was a director and producer issue for yeah. sure. Yeah, a big dick measuring contest. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> like most of these. Um, Peter Simpson brought us some great movies, though. So I'm not. Oh, no. Him, Peter Simpson yes. brought, I mean, he, he, Simcom, like he, he yes. I mean, he did. He brought us, he brought us prom night, you know, and uh, so, yeah. Yes. No, no. Peter Simpson, amazing. And Peter Simpson gave us Brock Simpson. And Brock Simpson shows up in Prom Night 1, Prom Night 2, Prom Night 3, and Prom Night 4. So Love him. Yes. I know. He's so cute. <laughs> I do. I love him. Um, okay. You obviously did the research, watch the Blu-ray. Can you tell us anything that we haven't already covered that was interesting about that? Well, you know about the alternate ending, I'm sure, right? Yes, where she's not performing for the mental institution. She's actually performing for all of the corpses yes. of the people she's killed. And they're which, like right behind her. Oh, my which, God. Which is so fabulous. And I wish they would have kept that because it's very Sleepaway Camp 2. Yes. And happy birthday to me. And happy birthday to me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that would have been a really cool ending. Leslie Donaldson loves being a corpse surrounded by other corpse. I mean, seriously. Yeah, it seems to be (laughs) her her cup of tea. So that's her vibe. Um, Yeah. uh, Well, when I was watching, like I said before, I, I, I was trying to make like I was trying to understand what was from the initial shoot and what was from the second set of shooting. Mm -hmm. And I guess there was a scene that was not even put in the film Mm. where Leslie Donaldson's character is shown with like a coach and he's like breaking things off with her and it's kind of justifying her sleeping with. Oh yes. Yes. Which is super weird. So, um, okay. Yeah. So, and she said like they shot it like two years after everything else. So like my mm. hair was different. Like I was heavier. Oh, and yeah. like it, she's like, and where would this have fit in the movie? I mean, no, it wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, uh, yeah. I, you know, I think the movie um, works well 
if you know the production history, I think, I think if you have that information already and like this had a really troubled production, like yeah. the fact that it's even finished is a something. big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that if you, ha- if you go into it with that lens, it's, it lives up to that. I mean, mm-hmm. the performances in it are, are, are enough, I think to carry it. Absolutely. John Vernon is great. He turned oh. like, he always turns in a great performance. Yeah. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Samantha Egger is, of course, great. I mean, yeah. he's great. And Linda Thorson. I mean, everybody's great in the film. Yes. It's just that some of the characters are very underdeveloped. Like, they just didn't get much screen time. That would be my one thing. And some of the editing is a little like the whole snowmobile coming through the window. It doesn't really work. Right. Right. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that would be... <gasps> There's one funny scene that I have to mention. Mm-hmm. I have to mention it. So Lynn Griffin's character is driving to the estate and she stops to get gas or whatever. <laughs> and this like literal teeny, like 12 year old, 12 year old boy, like is like, Oh, that'll be this much. Or you can work it off. And he's like looking at her butt. Cause she's bent over, like getting something right. out of her car. And she's like, oh, I like my men a little older. 14, 15, 15, you know. Yeah. That scene is so funny. She's fantastic. She is. She's great. She's she's really so brilliant in this. And that character is great. And I I like the fact that she's she doesn't throw herself at Stryker. Mm -hmm. She doesn't sleep with him. She doesn't even try to seduce him. You know? Um, she's, you know, she's a wise ass. And she's just fun and interesting and she's an interesting character and and she's a little nuts, you know? Yeah. And but aren't we all? Aren't we all? Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I think if pushed to the to the brink of really wanting something, like a lot of us would probably, you know, go into that. This that- is getting very dark. <laughs> We're like I too would kill six women for a role no, for yeah, a part, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> no. But I can totally no. relate to just her her wants her want to want something, but also her her want to feel like she's good enough to be involved in this project mm-hmm. without sacrificing who she is. Right, exactly. Without sacrificing who she is, and that's that's what's so brilliant about that whole scene that she does, is because you know she's like look, I, 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 like, I don't look like a centerfold and I'm not going to fuck you. So, you know, yeah, it's really interesting looking at the cast and what the characters are supposed to be portraying and how they're all going for the same role when really only the only thing that they have in common for most of them, other than Amanda, who's doesn't even make it vaginas is there, is, is there, well, they're, they all have yeah, like, they all have curtains. <laughs> Bravo. And, hey, and, we did yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh God. The poster is so vaginal. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. It's very, very, um, but they all kind of are like brunette ish with like mm-hmm. a red tint, maybe some mm-hmm. of them. And, you know, but like, they really don't have much in common. And, and I'm thinking because some of like, Leslie Donaldson's character makes a comment like, you know, when when you you'll do anything for what you love, like something to that effect. Right. She's talking about her skating. Right. But she's like, you know, saying to Brooke, like, isn't that how you feel about acting? 
So is like she even really an actress? Like, or was she just selected because she is attractive? Is yeah, on some is level. Right. Yeah. 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 It almost seems like he threw them all together just to sort of see almost like a social experiment in a lot of ways too like he threw them together to see what would happen and then he threw them together to see them fight over their role and then he probably threw them together to see who he could sleep with yes yeah i just don't like that's the one thing about it is like why are you know these women are all very different and that's not a bad thing Mm because they could be bringing something different to the role but it's like are are some of them even actresses (laughs) that's a good question yeah exactly it's it's I can totally that's a that's actually a really great way to look at it is this like well that's where they are very different from each other you know they really are they they all have something unique about themselves yeah right yeah. so absolutely yeah um all right final thoughts on curtains if you were to convince someone to watch this movie what would you say um if you like hot tub scenes, this is definitely <laughs> definitely a good one for that. <laughs> if you like trying to figure out where Shannon Tweed's breasts come in in this film, um, <laughs> this is your movie. Because she was oh a she was a booby double. She was a she oh she was a, she was she was a breast double. However, um, it's iffy as far as if it was a scene that was cut out, like it was the scene in the hot tub that was cut out there are sort of some click backs and forths where you can't see her face if those breasts are shannon tweed's breasts but can't you see like can't you see her face and her boobs in the same at shot? one point you do see you do but then there's another uh, shot where it's just her like, like it's a close-up areola yeah okay. I, mean, I can't believe we're having this conversation but yes that's I a, never, well i didn't know right but there's some things i didn't even know about shannon tweed was the breast double for this movie okay it's actually her very first role so to speak oh mm-hmm. okay and shannon tweed is a canadian so it charts yes okay all right hmm. interesting fun yeah. facts well i just wonder it, it, this movie just makes me wonder what it could have been i think that is the perpetual question of like what could this movie have been had it had a smooth production mm. but i think all things considered it's all right it's yeah. it's got a lot of charm and you know what it actually snowed where i live so it Ooh. made for a great viewing experience that's i awesome. love to watch this movie when it snows that's so. that's fantastic yeah I, I think if i was selling this to someone i would just be like okay here's the deal there's a weird doll that shows up for no apparent reason there's someone in a hag mask um uh someone has a scythe there's, with a scythe with a scythe there's ice skating you know it's uh, got a great winter vibe. It's and got a winter vibe. A it's lot of slasher a, movies don't have. Right. It's a it's it's a story about you know women fighting for what they want, and it's about aging in Hollywood, and it's and then Michael Wincott shows up for no apparent reason and then disappears. Um, and it's got this. It does have this really awesome look to it that you can't discount. You cannot discount the photography of this because it's very weird it has that very strange you know peter simpson vaseline on the lens look that prom night has yes it's very very similar like that but yeah if i was going to sell this i would just be like it's a canadian 80s slasher movie for adults yeah yeah the 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 actors and everything are are scaled up for the most part except like maybe leslie donaldson because she actually was a teenager but yeah it's it's definitely playing to a different crowd Yes, 
absolutely. It's a little bit, a little bit more of a highbrow yeah. film than yeah. than the other stuff. So, all right. Do you have anything you want to plug, Ray? Um, stream Regina Richards and Red Hot on Spotify. I'm just kidding. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. No, that's good. No, those, that's those good. are those are things that I work on. I do um I do music stuff in my life, and yes. I help I help a few artists. I help um, a singer named Regina. She had a hit in the '80s called Baby Love. Um, and she had a band before, and that is their album is called Regina Richards and Red Hot. Um, and yeah, you can find uh, you can find every artist I help with in my link tree which is on my Instagram at Ray the Unusual. So. Perfect. That's exactly what I was just going to ask you is where we can find you. And of course, where we can find Manic Movie Monday and where you can find me, Aaron Dawn, is on Manic Movie Monday podcast on Instagram, sometimes on Facebook and almost never on Twitter, but I am there. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Our, on Twitter anymore? <laughs> no one's on Twitter anymore. I don't even know why I still have a Twitter. Anyway, um, on that note, it's a great note to end on. 